Life's going okay. You go to church. Your relationships are relatively healthy. You're happy overall. But really, why settle for just okay? Jesus came so you might have life and have it to the full. There's so much more of God's goodness to taste and see. You only get one life. Live well. Well, hey, everybody. Welcome to Eaglebrook Church. It's really good to have you with us today. I want to welcome those of you at all of our campuses and those of you watching online. I know we have many students who have headed off to college, and so they're watching this message in a dorm room someplace just to get a little piece of home, and uh, we're grateful that you're with us as well. Uh, we're wrapping up a series today that we've been in for the last four weeks called Live Well. We've been looking at the Ten Commandments, and so far, we've said that God didn't give us the Ten Commandments because he wants to catch you doing something wrong. He gave us the Ten Commandments because he wants us to live well. Look at one of our key verses from this series, Deuteronomy 440. It says this, If you obey all the laws and commands that I will give you today, Moses is telling the Israelites this right after he gets done giving them the Ten Commandments. He says, I will give you today, all will be well for you and your children. In other words, if you obey these commands, you will live well. Today's message is titled, Do Not Take the Lord's Name in Vain. It's the third commandment, and it might be the most confusing. I mean, I think we all know what it means, do not murder, right? That's pretty obvious. We all get that. We all know what it means, do not steal. That's pretty obvious as well. But what does it mean, do not use the Lord's name in vain? I haven't heard a lot of messages on that in my time as a Christian. In fact, before I studied for this, I wasn't entirely confident that I knew what that meant. And so to answer that question, let's begin by looking at the word name. A name is a powerful thing. My wife and I were at a family camp a few months ago, and we met this woman who introduced us to her husband, Kermit. And my wife must have looked at her funny because she said, I know, his name is Kermit. She said that when they were dating, they met at Northwestern College. And there was this guy behind her who answered a question, and the teacher said, what is your name? And he said, Kermit. She said, now I was in a pickle because I had thought this guy was cute. I had thought this guy was really nice. But I thought, there is no way I am going to date a guy named Kermit. And of course, today, they're married, of course. Now, according to her, the name Kermit was an old family Swedish name that his parents had named him just several years before Jim Henson created the character Kermit the Frog. Bad timing for our friend Kermit. Now, all this got me thinking about the importance of a name. Because parents rack their minds trying to come up with a perfect name that's going to set their kids apart in life. Some parents go creative on this, like Gwyneth Paltrow, who named her daughter Apple. Bruce Willis and Demi Moore, they named their kids Rumor and Scout. But other parents are downright cruel. For example, and these are real names of actual people. The internet told me so, okay? 
The Turner family named their daughter Paige. Paige Turner. Thank you, mom and dad. The Poole family decided that the name that would set their son apart and give him a great start in life was Gene Poole. <laughs> and then this last one is my favorite because it took so much thought and cruel intention on part of the parents. The Bacon family named their kid Chris, which you know isn't so bad, Chris Bacon, except they gave him the middle initial P. So his name is Crispy Bacon. You can't make that up. That's incredible. Uh, these days, the most popular names for girls, if you're interested in this, are Emma, Olivia, Ava, Sophia, and Isabella. The most popular names for boys are Liam, Noah, Ethan, Mason, Logan, and of course, Bob. I'm kidding. Nobody names their kid Bob anymore. <laughs> but... They don't really name their kids Jason either. I did notice that geographical names like Dallas and Austin and Dakota are becoming quite popular. This got me thinking if maybe any of our local cities would make good names for your kids. Like this is my son Lino. Lino, Lino, I don't know. Hugo, you could use that. That's an actual name. Uh, if your last name was Park, may I interest you in a first name of Spring and a middle name of Lake? Call him SLP for short. For those of you at the Blaine campus, you're set. Blaine is a popular name that you could use. If you're at the Woodbury campus, I think you're out on this one. And if you're at Coon Rapids, do not get any ideas, okay? Do not name your kid after Coon Rapids. Now, all of this raises a question. Who has the right to name a child? Well, the parents do, right? That's the parents' right and their authority. Who has the right to name God? Not us. We get to name our pets. We get to name our kids. We do not get to name God. God names himself. That is his right and that is his authority. In fact, sometimes you'll hear someone say, well, what do you call God? And one person might respond, well, he's my higher power. And another person will say, his name is Allah. And then someone else might say, well, he's the energy in the universe. And another person will say Buddha or Hare Krishna. And then you always get one person who will pipe in and they'll say, you know what? You're all wrong. It doesn't matter what name you call God. Different names all referring to the same God. Really. Because would you be okay with it if somebody called you by a different name? Would you be okay with everybody called you by a different name? Because I've never met a Kirsten who wouldn't eventually correct me if I kept calling her Kristen. And I'm like, come on, Kirsten, Kristen, how am I supposed to remember? But it matters. And it matters because knowing someone's name communicates respect. God has revealed his name to us. In the Old Testament, God revealed his name as Yahweh. That was the personal name of God. It was used over 7,000 times in the Old Testament. There was a more generic name for God, Elohim, and that gets used 2,500 times. But Yahweh was considered to be the personal name of God. So sacred was the name of Yahweh 
that the Jews would not speak it out loud for fear of misstating it in some way. When scribes were transcribing the Bible, they would use a different pen to write the word Yahweh because they didn't want to use the same pen that they had used to write other words. That's how sacred this name was considered. In case you're wondering, the word Yahweh literally means to exist or to be. It stressed the independence of God. Nobody created God. He has always existed. He is not dependent upon anyone else. In fact, in the Old Testament, oftentimes the word name was used synonymously with the word God. You could use those two words interchangeably. Abraham called upon the name of the Lord. The Lord proclaimed his name to Moses. The Israelites were warned against profaning the name of God. To call upon the name of God was to call upon God himself. That's how sacred his name was. It referred to his character. And so with that in mind, take a look again at the third commandment. Exodus 20, verse 7. It says, You shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain, for the Lord will not let you go unpunished if you take his name in vain. This word vain, here's a definition for you. Empty, idle, insincere, frivolous, or small. The NLT, when it translates this verse, says it this way. It says, do not misuse the name of the Lord. That's really the idea here. That when you're speaking to God, remember who it is that you're talking to. Revere his name. Respect his name. In the New Testament, when Jesus begins the Lord's Prayer, he says what? He says, hallowed be your name. That's the opposite of using the Lord's name in vain. Jesus is saying there's something about the name of God. There's a holiness to the name of God. There's a power to the name of God. And so don't empty it of all of its power by using it in an idle, insincere, or frivolous kind of way. That's using the Lord's name in vain. But let's get really specific here for a moment. In fact, in our time left, let me give you three concrete ways that we use the Lord's name in vain. The first one is this. We use God's name in vain when we use it as a swear word. I was playing basketball at the YMCA a few months ago, and there was this one guy who would yell out, Jesus Christ, every time he would miss a shot, which was often in his case. And every time I heard him say the name Jesus Christ, part of me under my breath wanted to go, died for your sins, <laughs> loves you dearly, you know, but that's annoying, so I didn't do that. <laughs> but there was another part of me that was so bothered by this. I thought, don't use the name of my Savior as a swear word. Don't use the name Jesus Christ, the one who is pierced through his hands and through his feet, who suffocated to death on a cross because you missed a shot at the YMCA. Now, I didn't say anything to this guy about it because I don't expect non-believers to behave like believers. But if you're here today and you are a follower of Jesus Christ and you use his name that way, I want to ask you to stop. It's not honoring. It's a misuse of his name. 
using the name of God and then attaching the D word to it. It's a misuse of his name. It's not honoring to him. By the way, isn't it interesting that Jesus Christ and God are the only two names that get used that way? I mean, nobody ever misses a shot at the YMCA and goes, Hare Krishna. <laughs> I mean, they, they never go, higher power, energy in the universe. You gotta be kidding me. I mean, <laughs> nobody ever says that, do they? And I think it's because both believers and non-believers seem to instinctively know that there's something about the name of Jesus Christ. There's something about the name of God. I was talking to a guy in my neighborhood years ago when I first moved in. This was kind of our first conversation with each other. And during the course of that conversation, he used at least three four-letter words. He then asked me what I did for a living. <laughs> and I felt I didn't want to make him embarrassed or make him feel awkward, but I didn't want to lie. So I said, well, I'm a pastor. And his exact words were, oh my, name of God, and here I am swearing. Now, what was interesting about this to me was that he clearly felt convicted about using these four-letter words. His conscience was convicted about that. But it never even crossed his mind that using the name of God that way would be wrong. That's such a common expression in our day, isn't it? You know, you stub your toe. Oh, my name of God. You get some surprising news. Oh, my name of God. You listen to some teenage girls talk, and one of them will say, I'm like, you know, are you going to go to the party? And he's like, no, I'm not going to the party. And I'm like, oh my God, I hope you go to the party. <laughs> and it's become, thank you. <laughs> I practice that a lot. Uh, <laughs> it's become such a common expression in our day today. Now, I just want you to know that I didn't grow up a Christian. I didn't grow up wanting to obey the Bible with my life. And so I use God's name that way all the time. All the time. It was just a habit. Even after I became a believer in Christ, I couldn't stop. I would say OMG without really even thinking about it. So I know there are some of us here today who use God's name that way. And if that's you, first of all, I want you to know this is not an issue of salvation. You don't need to hang your head and go, oh, I guess I'm not going to heaven because I said God's name that way. It is a habit that oftentimes we get into, and I know as someone who did this, habits are very difficult to break. But as a church, could we make the effort to break that habit? Because God's name was never meant to be used as a swear word or as an expression of surprise. It was meant to be used with a sense of purpose and reverence. Now, having said that, I don't want to overstate my case on this. I know some people who are offended by the words gosh or gee, because they say that's too close to God or to Jesus. And if that's you, that's fine. You know, don't use the word gosh. But the Pharisees were famous for setting up rules to keep them from the rule. They would set up a rule that was there to keep them from the boundary, that was there to keep them from the actual sin. And that's kind of what this reminds me of. Gosh is not the name of the being that created this world. God is. And so I don't see any reason to get legalistic about this and say, well, you can't say gosh or gee or you know, Jiminy Cricket or whatever it is you want to say. 
You got to say something when you stub your toe, right? <laughs> but using the actual name of God that way is using his name in an empty, idle, and frivolous kind of way. It's using his name in vain. Look again at this verse with me. You shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain, for the Lord will not let you go unpunished if you take his name in vain. You might wonder, why would I do this? You know, it's just an expression. It's just a phrase. It's, it's kind of a habit that I have. I don't mean really anything by it. Why would I make the effort to get rid of that expression in my life? As I thought about the answer to that question, I kept coming back to this part of the verse. For the Lord will not let you go unpunished. What does that mean? Well, I don't exactly know. But what I do know is this. I don't want to do anything that would offend my God. I don't want to do anything that would displease God. I don't want God to withhold any good thing from me because I'm not using his name well, and you don't either. So do what you can. I was listening to my friend Joel Johnson speak recently, and Joel is the senior pastor at Westwood Church out in Chanhassen. And like me, he didn't grow up as a Christian, and so he used this phrase all the time, really just as a habit. And so after he became a believer in Christ, his girlfriend invited him to lunch with a pastor. And he said during the course of lunch, he was telling some story, and he ended up using the Lord's name in vain. He said it got awkward for just a moment, and then the conversation moved along. Well, afterwards, his girlfriend was like, why did you say that? It's disrespectful to use God's name that way. And Joel was like, I didn't know. It's just become a habit in my life. Here's what Joel did. He called every single person who had been sitting around that lunch table, and he apologized to them for using God's name that way. You say, well, that's pretty extreme. Yeah, it was pretty extreme. But Joel said he's never said God's name that way ever again. It completely broke the habit. When you use God's name as a swear word, it's using his name in vain. Here's the second way that we use God's name in vain. When we use it flippantly. Here's the definition of vain again. Empty, idle, insincere, frivolous. In other words, when we use God's name flippantly, we are using it in vain. Let me give you a couple examples of flippant. First off, when we use God's name only to make a buck. For instance, I love Christian companies, Christian-owned companies, companies that promote themselves as a Christian company, as long as they do business with integrity. Because don't say that you're a Christian company and then use unethical business practices. That's empty. It's flippant. It's using God's name in vain. If you own your own company and you want it to be a Christian company, do great work. Build a strong work ethic. Do business with honesty and with integrity. By all means, promote yourself as a Christian company as long as you're making God look good. But if it's only to make a buck, then that's using his name in vain. For example, I have seen Christian bird feeders with little Bible verses on them for the birds to read, you know, in the morning. <laughs> Get their devotions done while they're eating breakfast. It's really handy. I've seen Christian lamps, luggage, candy bars, mud flaps. 
I've seen Christian breath mints that are shaped like a Jesus fish. For those of you that don't want to suck on secular breath mints, like those godless certs. Now, I don't know these people's hearts. And so it is very possible that they have a vision for building up God's kingdom through these products. And if that's the case, that's fantastic. But it's also possible that one or two of them is using God's name to make a buck. It's using God's name in vain. Another example of using God's name flippantly is when we use it only to gain something for ourselves. When my wife Sarah and I were first dating, I knew that she was a Christian. And so on one of our first dates, she asked me, well, are are you a Christian? Well, I'd never put my faith in Jesus. I had never read the Bible. I didn't even think about or talk about Jesus. But I said, you bet I am. (laughs) Big time Christian right here. She then said, well, where where do you go to church? Well, I didn't go to church. I had never been to church. I said, "Mm, St. Anne's. I didn't even know if Anne was a saint, but that sounded really good to me. She then said, well, where is St. Anne's? And I thought, well, it's in Loretto. Loretto was a small town about 10 miles west of my house that I knew that she would never go to. What was I doing here? I'm using the name of Christ to get something only for myself. I saw this all the time when I was at a Christian college. Be at a Christian college, and when the girls were around, one of the guys would say, you know, I was reading in the Psalms this morning. And I'm like, you were watching SportsCenter this morning. I saw you. And then when the girls weren't around, you know, the Psalms didn't come up quite as much. When you use God's name only to get something for yourself, it's using God's name flippantly. Here's a final example. When you use God's name to make a promise or a vow, I swear to God. With God as my witness, I swear on a stack of Bibles. Don't just get me one Bible. Give me like a whole stack, NLT, NIV, ESV, all the translations. I'll swear on them. If you are frequently making statements like that, here's what that is. That is a sign that you have a dishonest reputation. If you're a teenager and you're always having to say to your parents, oh, I swear, swear I didn't do it this time, something's wrong. Look at what Jesus says about this in Matthew chapter 5. He says, just say a simple yes, I will or no, I won't. Your word is enough. To strengthen your promise with a vow shows that something is wrong. You see this in politics. Somebody gets sworn into office and they put their hand on the Bible, which is great as long as he or she actually reads the Bible and is willing to do what it says because otherwise it's just pageantry. And God's not interested in pageantry. He's interested in obedience. Look what Jesus says about this in Luke 6. This is so good. He says, So what if you call me Lord... When you won't obey me. So, what if you call Jesus Christ by the name of Lord if you won't actually do what he says? Jesus says, If you call me Lord, then make an effort to obey me. Make an effort to live your life the way that I would want you to live your life. And when you don't, confess your sin and repent of your sin because anything less is using God's name in vain. Here's the third way that we use God's name in vain. When we don't call upon the name of the Lord. 
As I was putting together this message, I tried to look up as many references to name of the Lord in the Bible that I could find. And what I found was, it's not just about the don'ts. Yes, don't use God's name as a swear word. Yes, don't use it flippantly. But there's a lot to it more than just the don'ts. There's a do as well. Look at a few of these verses with me. Acts chapter 4. There is no other name in all of heaven for people to call on to save them. Romans 10, 13. Anyone who calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. And then here's a final one, Proverbs 18. Remember underlining this verse in my Bible when I was in college. The name of the Lord is a strong tower. The godly run to him and they are safe. It's not just about the don'ts. There's a do. Do call upon the name of the Lord. I was trying to explain this to my wife and I mistakenly used a baseball analogy, which I think went right over her head. But I said, you know, it's like I'm tr if I'm trying to teach our son Micah how to hit a baseball. And Mike Trout, outfielder for the Angels, best baseball player in the world, is standing right next to me. What if Micah always called on me for advice and never called on Mike Trout? What if I just spouted out my thoughts on hitting a baseball and I never let Mike Trout get a word in edgewise? That wouldn't be very smart. You got the best hitter in the world standing right at your fingertips and you're calling out to someone else. But we do this all the time with God. My marriage isn't going well. I think I'm going to call my sister. I'm going to call my mom. I'm going to call my buddies and set up a fishing trip so I can just get out of town and forget about this. Nothing wrong with sisters and moms and fishing trips, but what if you called upon the name of the Lord? He created the universe with one spoken word. I think he can help you in your marriage. He separated the land from the sea. I think he can help you in that conflict with your roommate or at work. God knows everything. He knows what somebody across the globe is thinking right now. He knows what you're thinking right now. I think he can help you. Make that important decision that has you stressed out in life. But you have to call upon the name of the Lord. You have to ask him. Look at what Jesus says about this in John 14. He says, yes, ask anything in my name. Not anyone else's name. He says, in my name and I will do it. In the early 1980s, Arnold Palmer was invited to play golf for five days with the king of Saudi Arabia. And at the end of those five days, the king of Saudi Arabia held a banquet in Arnold Palmer's honor. And at that banquet, he told Palmer, he said, I want to get you a gift. And Palmer said, no, no, that's, that's not necessary. You don't have to do that. But right after he declined, Palmer realized that this had offended the king. And so quickly, Arnold Palmer said, you know, if, if you want to get me something... Just get me like a golf club or something like that. Well, six weeks later, Palmer gets an envelope in the mail. He opens it, and inside is the deed to a golf club. <laughs> not a putter, not a five iron, not a driver. A deed to a 165-acre, 18-hole golf course and golf club 
in the hills of western Pennsylvania. Palmer said, I guess when you're in the presence of a king, you should not ask for small gifts. <laughs> Friends, when you are in the presence of King Jesus, you should not ask for small gifts. Some of us have something in our life right now that we think, oh, it's just too big. That's too impossible. You need to call upon the name of the Lord. Look again what Jesus says. He says, yes, ask anything in my name and I will do it. Let me ask you, what do you need to ask God for today? Some of us need to ask God for freedom. There's an addiction that's getting a foothold in your life. Some of us need to call upon the name of the Lord and ask him for peace. There's a, such a level of stress and anxiety that's building up these days. Some of us need to call upon the Lord for healing, for comfort, for wisdom, or for strength. You need to call upon the name of the Lord. Now, God doesn't answer every prayer the way we want him to, right? That doesn't always happen. But there is a power in the name of Jesus Christ that isn't found in any other name. Philippians chapter 2 says it this way, that God raised him, that's Jesus, up to the heights of heaven and he gave him a name that is above every other name. I mentioned earlier that in the Old Testament, the name of Yahweh was the personal name of God. It was the name that God had revealed and it represented his transcendence, his power, his holiness. You could not see the face of Yahweh and live. But then in the New Testament, when Jesus prays to God the Father, he used a term that nobody had ever heard used of God before. It was an Aramaic word, Abba. Abba was a term of tender endearment that you would use towards your father. It's best translated today as daddy. When my three-year-old son Micah was, or my son Micah was three years old, he would always stay in his bed in the morning and wait for someone to come and get him. He was kind of a rule follower that way. And so on Fridays, which was my day off, I would hear this faint voice calling from down the hallway. Daddy, is it time to wake up? And I love to sleep in. But when I would hear those words, I would jump out of bed. And usually I did this thing where I would pause right before I opened up his door. And I would burst into his door as fast as I could. I would pin him down in his bed and start kissing his cheeks. And he would usually just yell out, Daddy, Daddy, Daddy. Jesus says that when you pray, you can call God Abba or Daddy. And just like I loved hearing my son call out my name, God loves it when he hears us calling upon his name. Some of us here today just need to call out, Daddy, I need you. I need you so bad right now in my life. I love you. I thank you. I long for the day when my prayer life and your prayer life is a daddy, daddy, daddy-like moment. And not only that, but look at what it says again in Proverbs 18. The name of the Lord is a strong tower. The godly run to him and they are safe. Not only is there a tenderness in the name of Jesus that we can call him daddy, but there is a strength and a power as well. 
His name is a strong tower. If you run to it, you will be safe. Where do you need to be safe these days? Where do you need the arms of God to just come around you and give you a sense of safety and security? Run to the name of the Lord. In fact, as we close out today's service, we wanted to give us an opportunity to sing about God's great name, about the power that is found only in the name of Jesus Christ. And as you sing this song, I want you to be thinking, where is it in my life that I need to call upon the name of the Lord? Where is it in my life that I need to run to the strong tower that is the name of the Lord? To sing of his great name, to sing of the power in his name, and to sing of his name, which is above all other names.